Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Celebrate. It is great to be together. I am so grateful for Pastor Keith and his leadership in all areas, but especially in this series that we're in right now, which I believe is the, one of the most important series we've ever been in, trying to understand really what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so I'm humbled that he allows me to open God's word with you today. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to John 13? John 13, I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Jesus said that his kingdom was not of this world. He said that. But as followers of Jesus, we are to be a part of his kingdom. So that's what we've been talking about. What does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of God? Now, two weeks ago, Pastor Noah started off by saying the first step is we need to step up and encounter Jesus. In a world where everyone's spiritual. Had a conversation with somebody yesterday. They said, oh, yeah, I'm very spiritual. (laughs) Everybody's spiritual. Everybody's religious. Some people go to church. It has nothing to do with any of those three things. It's a personal encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. And how many of you say when you encounter Jesus, everything changes? Would you agree with me? Absolutely everything changes. Then Pastor Keith shared last week, then the next step then is we have to, if we've done that, we have to step in and engage in growth. We need to grow. Every baby grows. We're thrilled that Pastor Keith and Kay this week had their second little grandchild as they, their daughter and son-in-law, Jordan Lamar, have a beautiful baby boy. And so we're just thrilled for that, absolutely thrilled for that in their family. But now, we want the baby to grow. Am I right? Absolutely. Every, it has to grow. It has to grow. If it doesn't grow, there's something wrong. Same with us in the kingdom. If we've encountered Jesus, we're babes, now we need to grow. As we start today, I want to pose a question to you. If you knew you only had a couple days to live, that's it, and your time on here was going to be done, what would you do in those days or those hours? What would you say to your spouse? What would you say to your children, to the friends that you have? John 13, this is where Jesus is at. Jesus is literally just a day or so, hours away from dying for you and I. And in what we're going to look at today, he really paints the picture of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, and especially the part that we're talking about today. So if you have it, John 13, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, well, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, 
A person who's bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Man, this is, this is an amazing passage to me. The fact that Jesus here in literally the last days, I mean, single digits, last hours, he's going to now literally do something that turns everything upside down. And what he's going to do is literally show them a kingdom life. He says, I've washed your feet, now you go wash others. What I've done for you, I've set an example, you do for others. And he flips life upside down. He shows that the greatest is now the least. The first is now the last. And all of us are called to serve. That's what he does. He not just shows the disciples, but he shows us. And it leads to what we're going to talk about today. Because if we're going to lead a kingdom life, then the next step is we need to step forth and be equipped to serve. Say it with me. Step forth and be equipped to serve. To serve. Now, I love this topic. I love it with all my heart. And here's the reason why. There's nothing, friends, that will give you and I more joy in our life and better our life in every area than serving someone else. How many of you have experienced that? Because what you give, it always comes back to you. In fact, it's a secret. Repeat this after me. The secret of living is giving. Absolutely. Bill Hybels said it this way. Nothing can be compared to the thrill of serving God, of truly being used by him to make an eternal difference in the lives of people and advancing his purposes in the world. There's really three types of people, okay? All of us are one of these three. Number one, there are the seekers. These are the people who have not yet encountered Jesus. They maybe have heard of him, gone to church, but they've never had a personal encounter. The second group is what we call the soakers. These are the people that think they've encountered Jesus, but they sit, and they don't do anything with it. They're just soaking it in. The third group are the servers. Those are the people who have encountered Jesus, and because they've encountered Jesus, now they're going to move into a position where they want to serve other people. Now, why would I say the soakers and the servers are too different? Because here's what it says in James. In fact, I want us to read this one out loud. If you would, see it on the screen. Read this with me, would you please? Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead and completely useless. That's what it says. And that's why Pastor Keith, you just heard him say that we're most like Jesus when we're what? When we're serving, absolutely. So what we want to do is look at why should I serve? Why should we serve. How many of you are ready for God's word to teach you something this morning? Ready for it? All right, let me do this then. I'm just going to pray for us. Father God, through your Holy Spirit, would you now speak? Let your word come alive. Let it be your word. God, to each of our heart, and God, personalize it to us. Maybe we've had a week where we've been so busy, we haven't had time just to be quiet and hear your heart, hear your voice. We do so now. Go ahead and speak. Your servants are listening. All right, number one, 
What are the four reasons that we should serve? Here's the first one. We were created to serve. We were what? Absolutely. Three things. My glasses, my watch, my pen, you. My glasses, my watch, my pen, you. Okay? Participation time. Help me out. What's the purpose of my glasses? Absolutely. Help me see. What's the purpose of my watch? Tell time. What's the purpose of my pen? Absolutely. What's the purpose of you? You It's interesting. There's a lot of people that don't know that or they hesitate. Here's the answer. God's word says it. Our purpose is simply this, to love and serve God, love and serve others. That's our purpose. Love and serve God, love and serve how many, who else? Other people. Absolutely. In fact, before the garden, before even we were created, God set this in motion from the very beginning. Here's what Ephesians 2 says. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. Long ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. It's our purpose. You know, we always say this. In fact, Pastor Noah said this again two weeks ago. He said there's two important days in your life, the day that you were born and the day you figure out why. Serving is one of those key whys you were born. It's part of why you were created. I don't know if any of you have ever read the book by Pastor Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life. Fabulous book. If you've never read it, I highly recommend it. In there, he says this statement. I think it's a great one. You were put on earth to make a contribution. God designed you to make a difference with your life. Reminds me of the old Danish proverb. You've probably heard that what you are is God's gift to you, and what you do is your gift to God. Absolutely. Now, that's unlike the American model. You know what the American model is? The, the phrase that we like is this. In America, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. That's what America's about. It's about accumulation. Man, let's get more storage units. Let's get, because it's about how much can I accumulate. That's what it is. In fact, the shelves of bookstores or Amazon are filled with self-help books, filled with self-help books that will help you understand how to get more out of life. Can I tell you, that's not what the Bible does. The Bible wants to help you and I understand how to get put more into life. Because we're supposed to make a contribution. We're to add to life. We're to add to people around us, not take away from it. In fact, if you're not serving somewhere, here's the reality. You're not living. You're just existing. There are no spectators in God's kingdom. There's none. There's only participants. There's two great verses that we're going to put together. Ephesians 2 starts in verse 8 and 9. Here's what it says. For by grace, say grace, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we have grace over here. Friends, I think you know this, but I'm just going to say it again. There is nothing that you and I can do. We cannot work hard enough. We cannot live a pure enough life. We cannot sacrifice enough for us to earn salvation. We can't. It's a gift. It's called grace. But then verse 10 comes in. Look at verse 10. The first word is for. Say for. For we are his workmanship. Here it is. Created. Created in Christ Jesus for. What's the two words? Good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Friends, the word 
four is key because it joins the verses together into one thought process. So over here we have, for by grace we've been saved. How many of you are grateful for that? Absolutely, I'm great. I, I, even my best, I'm, I can't ever be good enough, okay? It's, it's by grace we've been saved. So what grace does, grace helps me to be something, be a child of God. But that same grace now empowers us now to do something on his behalf for the kingdom of God. The two are inseparable. You cannot separate this from this. Four, the two are together. And yet, I see people do it all the time. They come over and say, oh, God loves me, and I'm so glad of what he did for me on the cross. And yet, this hand I never see because they're out building their own things. Friends, you and I cannot separate those two things together. Here, in fact, here's a reality. If we say that we've encountered Jesus, but we are not serving others, we haven't encountered Jesus. It's simply reality. You cannot separate the two things. Hand in hand, they go. So the first reason that we should serve is we were created to serve. Say, I'm created to serve. Here's the second thing. We were converted to serve. We were what? That's why God saved us. In fact, 2 Timothy 1.9 says this. It is he who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So when God saved you and I, he called us to live a holy life and doing work in the kingdom. We were not saved by doing the work, but we were saved to be able to do the work. Did any of you grow up on a farm or a farming community at all? Any of you? Okay, great. Cindy and I both grew up in a farming community. Okay, so now if you know anything about farms, if you're born into a farm and you're a child and your dad's a farmer, okay, what's one of the things that you're expected as a child of a farmer to do? Work. Am I right? You are expected to work. Here's a couple of things you never said if you grow up in that environment. I am so bored. There's nothing to do. <laughs> oh, my land. If you said that, how do you think that there was something they were going to figure out for you? Yeah, take those rocks and move them over here. I mean, there was, you never said that. Here's another thing you never said. You never said, man, I just don't feel like hauling bales today. Oh, you want to feel something? I can help you feel something. <laughs> no. If you were a child of a farmer, you worked on the family farm. The two go hand in hand. Make sense? If you're a parent, you want your children to understand that as a part of the family, there is work to do in the family. Am I right? That's what you want to do. Now, you don't do that to a guest. If you have a guest over for supper, you say, hey, listen, it'll just be a minute. Can you quick vacuum this here and, and the shovels outside help kind of clean up the sidewalk? No, they're a guest. But if they're part of the family, that's expected. It's a part of what they do as a part of the family. If you're here this morning and you've never encountered Jesus, you're our guest. Welcome home. But if you have encountered Jesus, you're a child of God and you're expected to serve the family. It's part of what God has said. It's part of why you were converted. The Apostle Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians 6. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. We 
talked about this a few weeks back. Everything I have is God's. Everything. My body, everything's his. So what I want to do is use that to honor and serve him and his purposes. Pastor Keith mentioned just a little bit earlier that encountering Jesus is not something that maybe some of us did decades ago. Do you know when I encountered Jesus today? This morning. Because <laughs> are any of you like me that you wake up selfish? How many selfish is just natural? Or it's only me? The first thought in my mind today is me. And so I need to encounter Jesus today because if not, I will serve myself and want to be served throughout the day instead of being a servant. In fact, 1 John 3, 14 says this, our love for each other proves that we've gone from death to life. Our love for each other, the way we serve, proves we have been saved, we've been converted. In fact, repeat this after me, saved people serve people. See, out of, my, out of my heartfelt commitment to God, I owe you everything of what you've done for me. I want to serve you. And how do I serve him? By serving others. That's what he said. Pastor Keith talked about the letters to Paul that he's been teaching in Fabulous. I, I so, so encourage you as he did. Take the classes. You're going to learn so much. But he said something this week in the class. I went, oh, you know what? That is so good for me to understand and us to understand. He said it this way. Salvation is the only personal decision you have. Every other decision is a part of a community in that way. So God has a ministry for you in the church, and he has a ministry mission for you in the world. You're part of God's kingdom. You're here to fulfill your part in God's work. Now, the key is this. The church is the bride of Jesus. So if I say, I love God, but I'm not going to serve his wife, hmm. If you're a husband and you have children and your children say, well, dad, we're going to do this, but we're not listening to mom. Wait, 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 wait. Your mother happens to be my wife. I don't know if you made that connection, but just want to help you understand that. That's my wife. You don't do what my wife says. I will deal with you. How do you understand that? That's what the kingdom is about. When I refuse to do what serve God's bride, the church, that says I've disengaged this here. Colossians 3 said this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. It's the Lord you're serving. So why should we serve? First of all, you were created to serve. Say, I'm created to serve. You were converted to to serve. Say that. I'm converted to serve. Absolutely. Here's the third one. We are called to serve. You're what? Absolutely. Everyone has gifts. Every person here has gifts. Now our gifts are different. Question, how many of you have taken the spiritual gifts inventory that we have available through our website? Let me see your hand. Okay, if you have. Oh, can I encourage you? You will find this so helpful. There'll be a QR code here that you can just take a uh, snapshot of it. It maybe takes 15 minutes. Is all it takes. You will find this so helpful for you to understand how am I wired, what are my gifts, and how could God use those gifts? You'll find it so helpful. I encourage you to take that because we also get a copy of it and then we can help you and walk with you in that journey. But here's the reality. We all have gifts. And we all can do one of three things with our gifts. We can use them to build God's kingdom. We can use them to build our kingdom. Or we can decide to do nothing at all. Right? We all have those three options. 
In fact, I think one of the great misunderstandings of the church and around people is the fact that, oh, well, I, that person's in full-time ministry. They work at the church full-time or that. Friends, here's what the Bible says. We're all full-time ministers. We're all in full-time service from the time you and I wake up to the time we go to bed. It's about the kingdom of God. And God has placed you in an environment in your work, maybe in your school, in your neighborhood, with your family, where you are to be about the work of the kingdom. And he's placed you there in full time. There's a story of a woman who was talking to her pastor and says, oh, pastor, I, I know there's this mission trip coming up overseas, but I don't want to take it because I'm afraid God's going to call me to go overseas and, and I have young children and, and I, don't want to, I don't want to hear that call. Well, what she doesn't understand is very simple this. God's already called her. If you've encountered Jesus, you've already been called. You've already been gifted. Now, just serve where God has already placed you in that environment. And that's a key thing. See, Romans 1, 6 says this. You also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. See, a calling to belong to Christ is also calling to serve people on behalf of Christ. Romans 7, 4 says it this way. Now you belong to him in order that you might be useful in the service of of God. See, if you're saved, you're called. That's why we say, step forth, you're called. In fact, turn to the person beside you right now and say, step forth, you're called. In China, some of the churches welcome new believers by making this statement. I think this is a great statement. When they accept Christ, here's what they say. Jesus now has a new pair of eyes to see with, new ears to listen with, new hands to help with, and a new heart to love others with. I love that. Why? Because there's going to be some people, friends, that will never encounter Jesus except through you. That's why. I, I worked my way through college, and I had different, a couple different jobs, but one of the jobs I had, I was a waiter at a restaurant. Wore an apron similar to this. And, and I absolutely I loved it. It was an upscale restaurant, so it was, it was a lot of fun there. But here's also a reality. By the end of the night, you had a pretty good idea of what I served by looking at my apron. Okay, I had a lot of fun. Wasn't always the neatest, okay? I just have to admit that, okay? But we had a lot of fun. I mean, you might have seen some mashed potatoes. You might have seen some sauce. You might have seen a vegetable. That's just part of serving, right? That's just part of it. Well, here's the reality. Serving's messy. It is. And how do you know that when you serve people, it could get messy? Absolutely. And some people don't want to do that. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to get involved kind of thing. No, friends, that's what makes it fun. Because in the mess, God's going to use you to help them encounter Jesus and come to know the kingdom life. That's what's going to happen as he does that. And see, that's, that's one of the joys that I have as far as being a person of, of, of the church, of being able to see people use their gifts in that way. We, we can serve Jesus any place we go. But if you Remember the story, Jesus said, wash each other's feet. Start by washing each other's feet, which says it starts here in the family. If you have children and they shovel every other neighbor's driveway but doesn't do yours, uh, why don't we start with ours first? Then let's do everybody else's. So start here in the serving of God's family, here your family, then we go out beyond that. How, how can you wash people's feet? Let me give you some thoughts. You can wash feet by greeting people as they pull into the parking lot. Wave to them and greet them as they come. Help them get inside the door. Once inside the door, greeting them as well. 
helping them get whatever they need. Maybe it's serving, as you saw, in the kids' ministry or the youth ministry. It could be by barrier of production. It could be in a variety of ways you could do that. And once you start to hear, then God will open doors for you to serve outside that. Maybe he'll connect you with the people that are living right around you, and God's going to use you to reach them. But one of the great joys that we have is seeing God do that with our people. Josh and Heather Tangeman in Sibley, Iowa. Just started by loving some people right there, right where they're at, but it kept growing and growing and growing. Well, they, we actually had them plant a church here in September, and on January 1st, they baptized 18 people on January 1st. That is wonderful. Ben and Aaron Reichenberg, who we love dearly here in the Riverside area of Sioux Falls, have had a heart for the people in their neighborhood. And they've just been loving on them. Obviously, they've been serving here, but they've been loving on them there as well. And they just now started four weeks ago, every week, having gatherings together there. And this past week at their gathering, they saw six people make first-time decisions for Christ and seven rededicate their lives to Christ. That is so wonderful. Now, one of the things I hear is I talk to people a lot, and I say, are you serving anywhere? Well, no. And I usually hear two reasons why. See if you can guess. I just don't have enough. I'm so... I, I hear that a lot. Think about it. We're so busy building our kingdom, we don't have time to build God's kingdom. I, I, I don't think that's what God's desire is at all. In fact, if, if you have children, can I encourage you one of the greatest things you can do for your children is let them see you serve people here. Let them see how it's done in that way. Pastor Keith mentioned, and it's a great joy, anybody who's on staff, you, you have a wonderful staff. Oh, my word. The, the people that are on staff here are such fabulous people. Every person on staff here, we serve. This is volunteer for us. This is volunteer. We work Monday through Friday, just like many of you do. This is our serving. Why? Because we love God's word. And we love his church. So if you're working, then serve with us. Come and join us in serving. Because God will bless you for that. But here's the second thing I see. Or here I, from here I, with people, I, they say, I don't have time, they say, I don't know where to start. I just, I just don't know where to start. Um, can I just encourage you? Just start. Okay, my wife, my wife and I met as juniors in high school. She was my chemistry lab partner. She's the only girl I ever dated in my life. Only girl I ever dated in my life, okay? I, I didn't know how to kiss Cindy. You just start. And then you just do it over and over and over and over again until you feel comfortable with it. Okay, I'm a moron. Okay, I know that. But here's the reality. Just start. There's a card that we put in your seat. Start somewhere. If you're not serving, just start somewhere. And put on the shoes. Put on the shoes and see how it fits. If it isn't a fit, let's see a new pair of shoes. Let's try. But just start somewhere. And in there, God will use you. One of the things that we have access that we can make available to you that I think you'll benefit from is something called a Discover class. It's a class where we'll actually walk with you in helping you discover your gifts and how that might be used for you in the kingdom. It's a, it's a great class. If you have any desire for that, just put the word Discover. We'll get a hold of you in that way. There's always something to do. Maybe it's during the week. Man, if that's the case, data entry, different things. There's always a place for you in God's work here in the church. We would love to have you. Call us, emails, or stop in the Welcome Center. Lay your card there. We'll get a hold of you in that way. So you've been created to serve. 
Converted to serve, called to serve. Here's the last one. We're commanded to serve. We're what? Romans 12.1 says this, because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This one's a hard one because we don't like commands. As humans, we don't like commands. We like suggestions. I I would love it if the Bible says, you know, I would suggest, just think about forgiving. Just, Just suggest it. I'd love it if it said that. We'd love it if it said, hey, just think about tithing. Just think about it. No, it says it's a command. See, the reason I serve God is because what Jesus Christ did for me, died for me, I now need to die to myself so I can live for others as well. Jesus said this way, Matthew 10, freely you have received, freely give. If, If you hired a business contractor to do work on your place, And let's say that they never came because they were so busy playing golf or hunting or at their lake home. They never came. How long would you stay with that building contractor? Would you stay with them? No, you'd move on and you'd hire somebody else. And what that building contractor would lose is not only the financial benefit from it, but the joy of being a part of something and even showing that work to his children or grandchildren. He's lost out of it. See, God has a job for you and I in his church. If we say we're busy, we don't want to, friends, God's not okay with that. Jesus made that very clear in something called the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. We're not going to look at it, but if you understand and remember the story, it's a story of investment and return. This man gave three of his servants bags of gold. Another version says talents. He gave one five, one two, and one one. If you remember the story, the one who had five, what did he do with it? Doubled it, gave a return of 10. The one that had two, what did he do with it? Doubled it, gave a return. And here's what Jesus said to those. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. But then we have the one. And what did the one do with their talent? Barely sat on it, became a soaker, just sat on it. And when the master says, what have you done? He gave excuse and actually even blamed his master. And if you look at the two words that Jesus is talking about here, about that servant, he says two things about that servant. Wicked, lazy. Boy, that, that's, a, that's a hard one, but it's a, it's a true one because what we can learn from it is real simple. Number one, friends, we, we've all been given something. Maybe none of us have five talents, but we have a talent, there's been something we, that God has given us we can do. We have something to do. The second thing is, you can do it. Not only have you been given something, but you can do something. Start. Start. Don't wait for a perfect time. Don't wait for the right time. Just start. The third is this. Doing anything is better than doing nothing. And you might say, well, what if I fail and get a wrong spot? That's okay. That's okay. God will get you to the right spot. Edward Hale said it this way, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but I still can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. What I find with a lot of people who say they've encountered Jesus, I don't see this other hand, though. I don't see it. And they're always waiting for the right time, the right opportunity, the perfect scenario. 
Now, Jesus just said, go, go, start, start doing that. In fact, have you ever heard anybody say, you know, somebody should fill in the blank. That somebody is probably you. If that's ever came across, man, somebody should, yep, that's you. That's how God works it. Romans 14 says this. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Coming back to the parables, it's a story of God and us when we face him. And here's the words that he says to the one who buried the talent. And throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, when it comes to service, you and I were created for it, converted for it. We were called for it, but we were commanded for it as well. Here's what 1 Peter says. All of you must put on the apron of humility to serve one another. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Friends, God is not looking for availability, or not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Someone who says, because of what you've done for me over here, I offer this hand, I'll serve. Man, let us help you start to accomplish that. Finish with a short story. There's a little boy who went outside one day and his neighbor had a new car in the driveway, brand new Tesla. The little boy was just admiring it. And the man came out, saw the boy admiring it and says, suppose you're uh, thinking about that car. Nice car, isn't it? The boy goes, man, that is a nice car. He said, actually, my brother gave it to me. The little boy goes, wow, I wish. And the man interrupted. He says, I know what you're going to say. You wish you had a brother like that. The little boy said, no, I wish I could be a brother like that to be able to give and serve. Friends, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. Because of what you and I have encountered in a living relationship with Jesus Christ, we step in, we grow. Now, let's get equipped and let's serve. And let's be the hands and feet of Jesus and wash other people's feet as well. Because here's the reality. Save people, what do they do? Serve people. So let me ask you again. My glasses, my watch, my pen, you. What's the purpose of my glasses? My watch, pen, you. Love and serve God. Love and serve others. So before you leave, let us help you get connected. You see it on the chair, on the Welcome Center, And let's help you experience the joy that God wants you to experience. Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Your word is so true, but God, thank you for the example that you set. The example you set of someone who, man, took off the robe, took off the title, and grabbed a towel, and you washed feet. And then you said for us to do the same. So Lord God, thank you that you saved us. We've been created to serve, converted to serve. God, you've called us, but you've also commanded us. So God, now we obey. And we step forward into that. So Lord God, I pray for each person as they step forward into what that could look like, that God, you would just overwhelm them with the joy that you're gonna have them have because it's a secret, it's a secret of living. We love you, we adore you. And all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.